really hits me like a truck. I'm like, oh, like this is what I've always felt, but couldn't articulate. Hi, I'm Jenny. And I'm Harold. And this is You'll Manage. That was our guest used in this episode, talking about that moment you get that clarity about what works and doesn't work. Often, I think, when you're new to something, whether it's people management or not, you're kind of slowly forming your opinions and your understanding of it. And hopefully, eventually it coalesces to something that is more of a philosophy or principle. And that's what we're really going to be talking about this episode. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we might have that clarity in our head already, but we also don't realize we have to communicate it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's twofold. One is to get to that clarity and then knowing that, okay, maybe other people don't know this and we have to communicate it. So yeah, Harold, have you ever had similar experiences or that same moment, that aha moment that Houston just described? For sure. I think one of the areas where it's really important to, to be able to articulate something to yourself and to others, is when something already comes a bit more naturally to you. So for me, it's this principle about bringing people with you. And I think organically, I'm I'm just a very social person, a very socially minded person. So even my personal life, I'm always like worrying about, okay, I I can't pick a place for dinner. (laughs) Like I got to get everyone's opinion and everyone's bought in. And that's just how I think. But I have come to realize not everyone thinks that way. And in the course of my career, I've realized it's really important to communicate that to people because people often think that their job is just to do their functional work or their job is just to deliver a product or service. But to me, bringing people with you, whether that's internally or externally, is is the only way Mm -hmm. that change actually happens. So I really started articulating this when I was at Uber because I was working with so many true believers in the company who were like, we're providing this amazing service. We are changing the world even. Some people really believed that. And they were just frustrated when people didn't agree, critics externally, regulators. And often they would just think those people are dumb, they don't get it, or they're corrupt or something. Right. And for me, I was like, no, 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 no. If you really believe in the change you want to bring about, the only way that change is going to happen is if you actually bring these people with you and, and make them into allies and champions instead of just fighting against them or, or fighting through them. And the same is true for at work. Often people get frustrated because they're like, um, they think stakeholder management is this annoying part of their work and they just want to do their work. Or they think it's like extra work that they shouldn't have to deal with. Exactly, right? And they're like, oh, these people are so annoying, blah, blah. And for me, I'm like, no, 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 this this is your job. This is as much your job as anything else, as the functional work. And I have learned over time that I need to say that to people explicitly up front um, and help them understand that they need to think about it in even in their planning processes. How do I, I mean, I've got to ship this project, but also I've got to figure out how do I bring all the stakeholders along mm-hmm. with me. And you've seen how that has helped your team become more effective, right? By just articulating that very clearly from the get-go even just changes the level of conversation we're having. If I if I just say from the get-go, like, this is part of your job, then the subsequent conversations are, okay, I'm having a hard time figuring out how to do it. I know it's important. I'm actively thinking about it. And please help me out, right? I don't mm-hmm. know the stakeholder well enough or um, what is, and we can problem solve together. Whereas before it would often be more of a, they're coming to me and like, this is so annoying. I can't yeah. believe I have to like bring this person along, especially people who came from companies that were more hierarchical or more regimented, um, where things got done simply because it's those part are of the process. It's part of the process, or because they had the authority, even if other people mm-hmm. disagreed. 
And I'm very much of the mindset that operating through influence and through bringing people with you is is just better and yeah. more enjoyable for everybody. Yeah. What about you, Jenny? There's one mantra that we started saying in our team um, just more recently. Actually, it didn't even come from me. It came from a direct report. A lot of times we're caught in these debates. You know, people have really strong opinions and we just can't seem to agree. Like everyone mm. makes very, very valid, convincing points, but you know, we just don't know which one's right. Right. And then one day, uh, my direct report said, when in doubt, test it out. And we're like, <laughs> oh yeah, why don't we just test this, right? Like if in most cases, there's a way where we can, you know, at least design some sort of experiment so we can get more data. At the end of the day, it's about getting the data mm-hmm. um, to help us uh, make data-informed decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And I think with that, just that phrase, we adopted it. And then a lot of times when we're stuck in these situations, we're like, we're just debating over and over and people just repeating the same points over and over. It's like, well, we don't know who's right or wrong and and we won't know until we look at the data. So is Mm -hmm. there a way we can test this? So I've seen how that just gives us more clarity in how we work and how Mm -hmm. we can work better with other people as well. How did that culture perpetuate itself through your team? I think a lot of our frustrations always come from getting stuck in these very contentious debates Mm -hmm. and becomes frustrating for my team too, right? And so I think they naturally adopted, we're like, oh, they just have, okay, let's let's go find a way to test this out, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think when they work with people too, they they try to spread that mindset. Mm-hmm. I think when you have this clear way of articulating it, it's a much more succinct way mm-hmm. to just communicate it. It's like a little escape button. You can, everyone in a meeting can just like hit it and be like, all right, right. we're when ending doubt, this debate. Yeah. <laughs> when in doubt, let's test it. <laughs> and actually it's true. A lot of times like, oh yeah, okay, let's test okay. it. And then it usually kind of solves that, that moment mm-hmm. where everyone's just like, oh, but I believe it should be this way. I I believe it should be this way. Just a lot of back and forth. I think a lot of being effective in a workplace and as managers is starting to figure out what these like core philosophies or principles or ways of working are and being able to instill that culture in in your team and your company through being able to communicate it. And that's what we are talking to Houston about today because actually I think, Jenny, you came across this LinkedIn And what did you see on it? He had this list in his LinkedIn profile. He had a little intro about himself, um, but it wasn't a typical kind of intro. He had this list of principles of what he believed in. And they were so clearly articulated. And I think I shared it with you and we're like, why don't we interview this guy? I mean, if he wrote these so clearly and publicly on his LinkedIn, then he probably has some interesting stories to Mm -hmm. share. Yeah, and he has a very clear point of view on what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. So today we'll be talking to Yusin, who is a engineer turned product guy. Uh, He was at Hulu, Pinterest, and Fair, and he recently relocated from the Bay Area to Hong Kong. So hi, Yusin. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me. You know, earlier, Jenny and I were talking about how what really made us want to interview you was seeing the principles that you put on LinkedIn that showed a very clear vision of what you felt were the right ways to work, how to operate in a workplace. And articulating it with such clarity, I think is really valuable. Yeah, and it's we counted, there were 10 principles. It's almost like your 10 commandments. So how would you describe that list of um, commandments or principles? I think these were kind of a wisdom that I've picked up over the years in different kind of uh, uh, times and stages of my career where, you know, as a, as a manager, you're kind of always observing because at least 
earlier on in my career, it was a lot of uh, bumbling around and just seeing what worked, trial and error, and also observing from you know mentors and and other leaders like what what was working. Uh, but there were time and times that you know when I read a certain article or a blog. Or I listen to somebody's talk uh, where I just notice, uh, you know, they they can capture it so succinctly and so clearly uh, that it really hits me like a truck. That I'm like, oh, like this is what I've always felt but couldn't articulate. And you know, certain ones that I have on my LinkedIn, uh, one is, uh, you know, no one is unreasonable, and that is a blog article by Seth Godin. And for everybody listening, you should just. Uh, you know, Google it right now. It takes literally two minutes, but it's a blog article where he references and synopses that no one is unreasonable. They all, generally, uh, with few exceptions, uh, have a very good rationale behind what, why they do what they do. And in it, he, he has an example like no one's really out to come ruin your day. You know, if you're having a bad day because of somebody, you you think, you know, it, it's very reasonable to think, oh, like. You know, Harold is just out here to get me. He's just he's purposely making my life difficult. Probably, um, and you know that <laughs> may be the case. Uh, but there's probably actually a a, mm-hmm. a more rational explanation, which mm-hmm. is, you know, they they have different incentives and they have different ideas. And so I think when I first read that, there were definitely stages in my career where I thought, oh my god, like why are they making my life so difficult? Why don't they just go my way it's so obvious and i question like is it is like everybody an idiot here like what's going on uh and i think when you really step back and you understand that hey everybody's actually got you know very good reason and they're not sharing your perspectives or your circumstances or whatnot to be able to empathize that okay why are they behaving in this way like what is potential rationale for you know how they're operating I think that perspective really helps in understanding and making better decisions. So for me, that's always been uh, one that I hold dearly. And I thank you know, Mr. Godin for, for writing that. Yeah, it reminds me of two things. One is um, if anyone knows about nonviolent communication, it's more of like a, a psychology and communication approach, which is very much like thinking about the foundational needs of the other person. Everyone's just working towards their needs. Um, and understanding that and coming from that perspective helps you communicate and discuss things and form and build relationships in a way that aren't antagonistic. Yeah. Um, and the other thing it reminds me of is this, I think it's a Facebook product person who who wrote, um, I think it was a Medium article about how um, he was in a meeting with like Shel Sandberg and maybe some other people and they were just like having a very antagonistic conversation and he was basically feeling like why aren't you on my side why aren't you like seeing you know what i'm saying is right and Cheryl Sandberg stopped him and said well we are all on the same team here we just other people's jobs are just to cover different bases than you like they their job is to see it from a different perspective than you and we're all working towards the same goal to end um, and I think it's so important to remember. It's so easy when we're where we're stuck on our own perspective to to have the antagonistic vibe. And one thing I found really valuable in having the privilege of working in companies that are quite mission driven is that at least when you've got that mission level of agreement, you at least feel like you're on the same boat working towards the same thing. And I think that's really valuable. But it also makes me wonder, right? Is 
just by saying it enough. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure in that situation when Cheryl, when it came from Cheryl was very, yeah. very powerful and everyone, you know, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like we're, we're on the same boat. But then, you know, that's something I struggle with. Like with, you know, I do, sometimes I do feel, okay, why, why is it so hard for this person and, and me mm-hmm. to see eye to eye? We're mm-hmm. all in the same team. And I say we're in the same team, but mm-hmm. it does it really register and how, and, and what other ways can you actually get people to actually feel and show and demonstrate like, yes, I understand we're all on the same team. I think one of the principles I also have on my LinkedIn is, you know, trust is just paramount and there's no shortcut to building trust. And I think trust is just one of those things that it's the center glue to to having positive relationships and, and good working relationships where you need to be able to build trust with other parties at high-flying startups that, that are going through hypergrowth. I think there's a lot of people that come in and they're trying to prove themselves and trying to really make their own mark. And that may be one of the reasons why people operate differently and have different perspectives, because they're trying to optimize and prove themselves in their in their first inning. And for me, I think uh, one of the tools I, I use is to be able to build trust with these people and uh, to, to help convince them that, hey, we're on the same team. And the way to do that there are tactics uh, that I've I've used over the years, but at the end of the day, I don't think there are shortcuts. Meaning, to be able to trust somebody, I think it's a very human and visceral, uh, instinctual uh, aspect. And so, you just by definition, it's it's very difficult for you to trust a random stranger. Uh, and so, without really being a person and, and valuing them as a human and as a person, and for them to see you as a person, it's very hard to build that mutual trust. And so one of the things I do when a new person comes on board or when I join a company is, you know, I go figure out wh- who are the the people I need to build close relationships with because I'll be working with them a lot and uh, to just go meet them for coffee. And I tell them that it's very important for us to have a mutual trusting relationship and support each other and that, you know, they have my trust and that I will earn their trust over time. Uh, but it's that I'm front-loading that trust. I believe that you know if they've gone through the ringer and they've been interviewed and they're choosing to join this company where we share the same mission, that they deserve my trust, uh, at least in the beginning. And so that's something that I put out there for them. And I think it it immediately shortcuts that like uh, where I stand and 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 my desire to earn their trust. And I think that really does help uh, in a lot of ways to set off at the right foot. As opposed to starting from neutral, where you know at zero is by definition you don't you don't have distrust, but you also don't have that trust. Mm. And so I try to at least front load that to like, hey, let's start with a positive balance and let's earn that over time. So I think that's been uh, really powerful because at the end of the day, if if you have a positive trusting relationships, everything goes easier. You're not always suspicious of you know their decisions. You don't uh, scrutinize everything that they do. There's so much wiggle room that you have when you have that kind of uh, positive trust balance that a lot of things just go smoother. Are there any other ones on your list of principles that you would want to highlight? John Wooden says, you know, activity is not achievement. You can be spinning around and and working 20 hours a, a day, but you actually created very little value. It's not about how hard you work or 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 how much effort you put in. It's about that end result. But the key focus is. How do you identify those few things where you can create that outsized leverage? And leverage is really around, there is a shortage of time. How do you create the maximum value 
with your time for the business, for your life, for your friendships, for your relationships.、Uh, and I think as a manager, the most managerial leverage you can have is to help your team create that leverage and understand what actually matters. At Hulu, one of our what defines Hulu, which was like this manifesto、uh, uh, the leadership team had written in the beginning, was about the courage of seeing a list of a hundred things and just choosing three. It's so hard, right? I think、um, as PMs, as engineers, as designers, as as just even human beings, like there's infinite possibilities. There's no shortage of good ideas. It's which ones are the best ones. Like, how do you focus really your time and effort so that you can drive the maximum results with just the fewest things? Because it's not about just doing more things. If anything, doing more things will actually make it worse because you're just diluting the overall、uh, effort when you can be just plowing and reinvesting all that effort into the things that really, really matter. That's something I think about a lot. And I'm, I'm curious because I think you you have this clarity in what you believe. Like creates the best workplace and best team and best company, and when someone new joins a team that you're managing or leading, how do you pass that on? Do you do you sit them down and say, "Here are the ten things I believe in. Let me explain them to you." What is that process of passing on that wisdom? I suppose. I think it's、uh, it's less of wisdom and more of shared understanding. What Andy Grove kind of references for task relevant maturity really extends to how we think about. What are the expectations that I have for for a team member, and what is my process into getting from expectation to assurance and assurance for me and for them that hey we're on the same page and that you're operating to my expectations or exceeding that. And I think earlier on when they first join, it's for me to to share unambiguously. Here's the things I value. Here's the things I don't value. Here's where we. Believe、uh, the vision of the the company and the team, and for the individual careers, like where that should go, and just be really clear about that. And then in kind of the the early stages, to actually spend a lot of time to just be in constant communication. And I try to put it out there and say, hey, like this is what I'm expecting, and this is what I ask. If you disagree, voice up because I can't read your mind. And I think that really direct communication, along with And out of, it's okay to disagree, and it's okay for you to push back. I think that makes for a very powerful direct communication, because it's not like I'm steamrolling them, nor am I hoping that they would just get what I'm, what I would want. But to kind of be very、uh, direct on, here's the bullseye, but maybe our bullseye is a little different, and、mm-hmm. we can dis- we can debate and discuss that.、Mm-hmm. So that's been kind of my practice in onboarding new employees. And making sure we're on the same wavelength. So you came up with these ten commandments or principles. Do you think this list of ten things has made you a better manager? And is that something that you would suggest to other aspiring or new managers to do? And if so, like, what's the right way to do it? Like, did you just like write it down somewhere? Do you have a, a, a live document where you actually document it and you revisit、yeah. over and over again? I definitely recommend.、Um, People putting that practice into into words,、um, you know, you don't have to publish it. I think for me, it's that clarity of like, what is truth? What is unambiguous,、uh, non-negotiable? Like, these are truth that I believe applies to my life and to how I、uh, lead. And 
I think that clarity really helps put into practice uh, what are principles I value. And the list is actually ordered uh, specifically in a prioritized way in what I believe is, is most important. And they're all important, right? Like there's tons that just didn't make the list because I call it to, I think, 10 uh, on purpose. Because if one of the principles is focus on few things well, then I cannot have a hundred <laughs> items on that list. So you have some on the waiting list. So yeah, I think um, for whether it's new or seasoned managers to be really clear on like what matters and what doesn't and to be able to really clarify that with your team too, uh, to say, here's what I value and here's what I think doesn't matter as much. Because it's not like what doesn't make the list is bad ideas. They're all probably really good ideas, but it's just what is most important that will clarify for, for yourself and for your team. Here's the operating principles that will get us to the next stage and the next level. And I'm sure this list will also evolve over time because mm-hmm. you know I'm still still learning and and will always be learning. So yeah, I encourage if uh, if folks uh, have written a list on then yeah to to would love to debate and learn uh, more wisdom. And I think that relates nicely to what you said earlier. There's the work of being intentional and thoughtful, basically about what your operating model is and what you believe. Um, delivers the best results, however you define results, whether it's personal, relationship-based, or or the company's results. And also that because you said, you know, when you're working with, with team members, you want to be able to articulate it so that you can be deliberate about aligning it as well. And I think that's a really, like, nice piece of advice to, to be very deliberate about mm-hmm. articulating it so that you can deliver it for yourself and also so you can communicate with people about it so that they don't have to guess what your principles are because you're not clear yourself. Yeah. And I think it's like it's like a rubric for coaching your team, right? So for example, earlier you talked talked about no one is unreasonable. Imagine if your direct mm-hmm. report came to you like, I just couldn't get this. This person is so annoying. I can this <laughs> colleague in the legal team. And then then you're able to kind of just take that out. Listen, no one is unreasonable, and you're able to use that as your way to coach and guide your team. So I think that becomes very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for our audience who may want to learn more about you and and maybe even reach out to you, what's the best way they can find you? I'm not on Twitter very much, but LinkedIn or email is is uh, perfect for me. My email address is im at usedin.com. Thank you so much, Usedin. It was great chatting with you. It's so great being here. Thanks, Harold. Thanks, Jenny. Yuzin had a lot of interesting things to say about what he believes in what works in a workplace. But I think for me, the key takeaway is still that meta level of just the fact that he he has taken a time to mm-hmm. draw from a lot of sources to build what he believes is, is his core set of principles at work. Um, that to me is really the key takeaway here. Yeah, I agree. And I think the takeaway is how do we as managers start having that awareness Mm -hmm. to build that clarity, to articulate into words and then communicate it. I think there's a couple of things we can learn from his process um, and we can probably summarize it in four key steps. We heard how Usedin learned from people he worked with, from books and articles that he has read. So step one, think about your own experiences so far. What are all the principles that you have heard from people you worked with, from books that you read that you think makes sense to you and start noting them, noting them down 
and um, creating kind of a list of candidates that could become your own operating principles. Yeah, and something I've done is just have an like an Evernote file, note file, where I just collect things I hear or read. Sometimes I'm just listening to podcasts. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting insight. And just I just capture it. Over time, It might I might go back and say, no, nah, it's actually not that interesting. Yeah. But then it's kind of a working file of, oh, all the things I might want to go back to and start building on. And then I think step two is maybe <laughs> to, to quote from Jenny's workplace a little bit and when in doubt, test it out. And is to see a little bit about what happens when it meets reality, right? It's, you know, reading principles in books or, or other materials is fine and good. But of course, what works in your workplace, what works in your mm-hmm. work culture is really going to depend. And I think talking to people in your team, how they think about it, seeing if it really reflects what working in your workplace looks like or working in your team looks like. Um, I think that piece is really important. You just, you don't have these hypothetical, theoretical yeah. principles and you just go out and apply them. Yeah. You really need to see, does it work in your reality? Yeah, and whether your direct reports also get that same aha moment that you had when when you're able to articulate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think step three is then, you know, kind of Harold, you alluded to in the beginning, right? Like half of it is being able to communicate it mm-hmm. and articulate it to other people so they know as well. So it's really to communicate it and put it into practice and find ways to incorporate it into your day-to-day. Is there a way you can incorporate it in your hiring process, in your interview process, in your onboarding process, and even in your performance reviews or in the way you coach your team? I mean, really what we are talking about here is like building a, a culture, right? And uh, we've talked about it in different respects before. And this is one way to to build clear culture is to articulate and communicate what you want. And that also means weaving it into yep. every aspect of what you do, not just talking about it once and then dropping yeah, it forever. Yeah, exactly. Like when you asked me the question of, you know, is there one thing mm-hmm. that I have clarity over? The when in doubt, test it out. I, I realized I put it into our team manifesto, which is something that I make public um, so that someone... I'm looking to join our team in the hiring process, they can also understand mm-hmm. our team culture. So that's like a very easy way to incorporate it. Right. And if it scares them, they know it's not the, yeah, not it's not the right place. Not for the them. right place. When they don't want to <laughs> test things out, that's fine. <laughs> and last but not least, of course, this is something that you're going to want to evolve and iterate over time. It's not a one and done process for sure. And whether it's because you're gaining more experience and learning, whether it's because the reality of your work environment and your team and culture are shifting, it's something that you constantly want to revisit, make sure um, whatever principles you have, they're the right set and they're communicated in the way that you want. It's, you know, probably it's a lifelong journey of learning what your core Mm -hmm. principles are. So those are the four simple steps you can start thinking about if you want to start forming that similar kind of clarity in terms of what your operating principles are, but most importantly, also for your team. It'll just make you run more efficiently, work better together as a team. It'll help them problem solve. There's so many ways that these principles can be incorporated into how you work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's about creating like a shared reality, making sure you're on the same page, making sure you're pulling the same direction because if you're having conversations on a level of like basically on a tactical level when you're not discussing the principles and you foundationally have different principles, you're never really going to come mm-hmm. come to agreement right. on how to work um, or what you're doing. You're going to be frustrated. And if you're giving that surface level feedback without understanding why they're doing what they're doing, then that's a problem. So being able to to do this for your whole team is really valuable. 
And if you have that clarity already and have operating principles that you formed, please share with us. We would love to hear from you. Um, tweet us at Yo Manage. We'd love to be able to share your wisdom with the Yo Manage community. So speaking of community, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to take a moment to give it a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast because that helps other people discover Yo Manage and helps them also gain more clarity in their management journey. Still listening? Here's an outtake from this episode. I'm going to take a sip of water too. That's a really big gigantic, water jug. That is so It's like calm. my motivational water jug. Oh, it is ridiculous. You-